Time for Sex, the podcast. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No, time for, time for sex. Hey everyone, welcome to Sex the Podcast. Erica Miley here. Today's episode is about sex and marijuana. We've got a great episode for you today with Chris Kelly, who is a marijuana executive. He's done a ton of work around marijuana and in the marijuana community, both before recreational and after recreational has become legal in several states. So I just want to give you a heads up about this episode because it's not only about one taboo topic, it's about two, and it's taboo in our culture to often talk about this. So this is a friendly disclaimer that I'm not suggesting any person or every person should try a controlled substance. This episode's aim is to have a conversation around two topics that are difficult for many, many people to talk about. That being said, let's have some fun and stay tuned to the end for some interesting resources. Thanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sex the Podcast. Erica Miley here. I have a friend with me today. My friend Chris Kelly is joining us. He is a cannabis executive. We're going to talk sex and marijuana today. We have lots to talk about. We have lots of things, so stay tuned until the end. We'll have all the stuff in the show notes. And uh, Chris, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I... I really wanted to do this episode with you in particular. You and I have had many conversations about sex and marijuana and podcasting and all the fun things. Um, specifically sex, though, because I don't – I feel like this is something that I've read articles about and I've not heard a lot of people talk about this. I feel like this is like two taboo things people don't talk about, but everybody is doing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. So I feel like – I, I kind of want to know your journey with coming into being a cannabis executive, and then we'll start kind of delving into the sex stuff. So, how did you get? How did you get here? How did you get to where you are today? Sure, um, I am a multi generation cannabis professional. So, come from a family of weed people, uh, and you know, started in the industry really young in the Bay Area and was lucky enough to be able to travel uh, to Maui and kind of further my cannabis education out there and, and grow um, pre-medical and medical. And then um, 2011, as recreational came along, uh, you know, we were able to be involved in the state capitol in Washington, uh, working with politicians, working with legislators, um, getting uh, Initiative 502 passed. You know, uh, while doing that, I was running a medical company um, that we had started in our, in our garage and, and grew to 30 something people. And, uh, you know, we successfully transitioned that over to a recreational cannabis brand in Washington. Um, and then I did a few other projects after that with some venture teams, uh, you know, uh, worked with some famous people, got to work with Willie Nelson, which was really awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely fun. And then, um, you know, got to do some some really large scale projects across um, multiple states, working with international partners, 
And, uh, you know, each project kind of leads into the next bigger project. And, um, you know, really my expertise lays in operation and formulation. Um, I have an extraction background uh, as well as a cultivation background, but really the extraction stuff is kind of my niche. Um, and from extraction, it, that's pretty much the, the keystone to vertical integration is having that, that extracted material, right? Um, there's, there's quite a few products out there, uh, including, uh, I don't know how you, what would you call that performance enhancing for sex? Um, there's, uh, Foria is out there. They're a great brand. Um, it's a cannabis infused lubricant, you know, and, and so again, you know, that's one of those things that is, uh, from an extract base. It's not from a plant base. Right. Um, so I really come at it from more of a manufacturing point of view where we're turning the, the plant into crude oil, you know, barrels of crude oil that then gets refined into other products at other places. And it's, I, I think it's, I think it's wonderful that you bring up specifically a, a lubricant that that's typically when I hear of someone um, using like a cannabis based product for sex, it's typically a lubricant. And uh, so I, I know that my listeners are probably going to have questions about that. So I, you know, you can always email me or, um, or we're actually towards the end, we're going to make sure that you can contact Chris if you have questions about this so that you, so that if it's something that you're interested in, you can find out all about it. Um, so as far as like lubricants and things like that, take me through, like, how does someone like, how, how does someone find a really good one that they, that they know maybe, Oh, okay. I could use this and I could use this safely. Ooh, that's tricky. So, the first thing I would say is um, no check check labels. Know your allergies. Check labels. I've had lots of horror stories of um, not even in in uh, in arousal based products at all, but say just a skin cream. Somebody may be allergic to something like almond oil, you know, and like how common is that uh, of a thing to find, you know, a, a palm oil, a coconut oil, you know. So be very aware of what ingredients are in it before you put it on yourself. I think that's an excellent point. I, I think that 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 goes for whatever type of sexual lubricant that you are ever going to use. Pay attention to what the ingredients say on the bottle because also it, how it interacts with your skin, but also how it might interact with toys that you use. Oil-based lubricants are really, really hard on toys and it makes it very difficult to, to clean and make sure that they can be used again safely without any bacteria transferring. So I think that's a wonderful point you made. Yeah. And you know, I wouldn't be afraid to discuss that with the bud tender. You know, um, bud tenders are very open to conversation about just about anything. You know, um, and so when you're in there, you know, you're, you want to make an informed buying decision. So talk to your buy, uh, talk to your bud tender, ask them, you know, have you heard any feedback about this one versus this one? Um, because there, the, the research out there is really mixed and the effects are really different for each person. You know, the other part that I would say on top of checking ingredients and working with your bud tender is try to find a knowledgeable weed person in your circle, right? Because every strain is different for every person. 
Um, for instance, an OG Kush will really mellow me out, but I can look at my brother who smokes an OG Kush and he's completely wired and ready to clean the house, you know? And so it's, it's the same strain, two different endocannabinoid systems reacting to it differently. And the same is true of strains that cause arousal. Some of them cause arousal, some of them quite the opposite, you know, vaginal dryness is a thing. Uh, and what could make me aroused could make my wife uh, quite the opposite, you know? So lots of experimentation as far as like, oh, this worked for me, this didn't. And unfortunately, there's no lexicon out there of these are the strains that do this because we just haven't had federally funded research on any of it. Exactly. That, that, that research piece is something you and I talked about a little bit before we started recording was that the, that not only is it hard to find good research about it and there is some, and it's very difficult to replicate. This is the same problem. A lot of psychological studies are having today is being able to replicate results. And one of the issues here, especially with marijuana is funding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's across the sciences, right? I mean, uh, same, same is true in theoretical physics right now, hard to duplicate results. We have an added problem with the cannabis, which is that uh, a lot of the data that we rely on is self-reporting data of, I only smoked three times this week. And I think any of us that have ever used any substance and been asked to report about it, we're going to err one side or the other. Uh, I didn't drink a 24-pack. It was really two beers. <laughs> so we've we've got problems in the data collection and our, our source, okay. the, the data is just not, uh, they aren't clean. You know, we yeah, don't have a pristine sample size. We don't have any of that going on. It's all small closet-based studies. So... Uh, let's let's hit right on it. Let's just jump right to it. Is marijuana an aphrodisiac? I think the right answer is that um, not all of it, but some of it for sure. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great way to answer this question because it goes right back to that first thing you talked about. What is your biology going to do and interact with when you use this substance? Yep. Yep. And, you know, I think that transcends um, cannabis and it, and it actually like we could look at alcohol for a really great example of that as well. The tequila woo girl and everybody who's listening knows who I'm talking about. Why does she got to get up on the table and get crazy when she has tequila? But then when she drinks whiskey, she's absolutely fine. You know, and the same thing is true of the guys, right? I've seen guys that we call them strong island iced teas, three deep, and they want to fight everybody. And you're like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's the different alcohol affecting different people's biology. Mm -hmm. in, in vastly different ways. And I think that's an important thing to, to talk about here is that to expect one thing to react for one person, it, it, it's just not necessarily going to work that way. Um, I think I've seen, I've seen some brands that actually put on their, on some of their labeling, like you might feel this way. Yeah. They don't, definitely don't put like, you will feel this way. <laughs> It'll say you might feel this yeah. way because it's, it's hard to know how one person might interact with that specific strain. So 
some of the research that I was, when I was uh, preparing for our talk, some of the research that, that I was looking at was that there's lots of people reporting one daily use or weekly use of marijuana. And the CDC is actually tracking this information, which is pretty interesting. And there is, it does seem that there's conflicting arguments about like, does this affect erectile performance? Does this affect a, a man's ability to be able to get an erection? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I know I've just anecdotally with, with friends and family who've used this had different reports. Like, does this affect your ability to have an erection? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I think it comes back to... Um you know, I think it really comes back to is marijuana an aphrodisiac, right? And the answer is not all of it, but some of it, right? And I think that not all of it is ED, but some of it is, you know, I mean, some of it is causing um, erectile dysfunction because of that strain and because of whatever it is that's making a non-arousal versus a different strain that could do quite the opposite to the exact same person. And I've had that experience, you know, not being able to, quote, get in the mood, uh, versus another strain where I'm like raring to go, you know, and it has, I can tell it has nothing to do with my biology other than the way it reacts to that strain. You know, it's not like there is some underlying issue in my biology with that. And I'm a, I'm a healthy 30 something year old man. That's like, no problem, dude, I'm ready to go. Um, but you know, sometimes there's, there's some strains that most definitely, um, I, I would say cause that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was actually thinking about like, while you were talking about that, there, there's also the other side of the reasons for erectile dysfunction when people feel anxious, because they have to sexually perform. So they that that it comes down to a psychological um, barrier to being able to sexually perform. And we work on that. I work on that with clients about reducing anxiety around sexual intercourse, sure. right? And not only that, sometimes I've seen in some of the research and some of the articles, people report that when they've used marijuana, that maybe the marijuana didn't affect their arousal, but reduce their anxiety about the having to sexually perform. Or even re- reducing anxiety about outside external pressures in life that may be inhibiting you from performing. You know, oh my God, all the bills are due and the kids have to go to school and the blah, 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 blah. Sometimes life, you know, you get in your head uh, and you lots of people use alcohol, you know, two, three glasses of wine and, uh, just to set the mood. I've, I know so many people that don't smoke weed that say that all the time. Like, Oh, we just had a couple glasses of wine to set the mood. Like, yeah. Okay. You needed to relieve some outside anxiety for sure. Yeah. And we do that. We do that culturally at, with lots of things. We do use lots of things for, for numbing culturally, period. It, it could be video games. It could be food. It could be lots of things that we use to numb or disconnect from reality in some way. So I definitely, and I know you feel this, I, we've talked about this, that it's for, for us to put like the blame on one thing. We, we struggle as a society to admit that we struggle with vulnerability and we struggle with all the stress in our mm-hmm. life and that we use a, a substance or video games or whatever it is mm-hmm. to disconnect from that vulnerability. Yep, I think absolutely correct. Yeah. So do you think that access to marijuana has changed the sexual landscape overall? You know, I was thinking about that. That's a really super interesting question. And it comes actually, it relates to one of the research papers that I was looking at, um, you know, that cannabis consumers have more sexual partners 
which, which on a on a very like front level, I'm going to call bullshit without really reading into it. Uh, and the reason I'm going to say that is because I think that people that are using cannabis right now are more open minded in general. You know, I, I think that the fact that somebody is willing to try a substance that's not federally legal but legal by their state, so they feel some protection. It, that kind of a consumer, in my opinion, is willing to take a little bit more risk than the person that's not. And I think that maybe that's the base noise of that data set there is that, you know, uh, access to cannabis in general and, and a widened access to it, I think, is broadening people's horizons. Exactly what the Woodstock generation talked about, man. You yeah. know, and- I think that 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 risk that you're talking about is an important one. And it's also I think that that open minded person might be more likely to be open about the number of people they've had sex. Correct. With too. Among other things. Maybe yeah. they're not going to maybe they won't. They'll be more honest about it than they would be with an, another person might be. And all of what we're saying is definitely anecdotal. But I think you're onto mm-hmm. something there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm no scientist and I'm not doing the and, studies by any means. We just call that. a That's a gut instinct on that one. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, I think, uh, I think overall, like when I, when I looked at the, when I was looking at research and I was looking at the back and forth and I was, I, I definitely was, um, there's a Stanford study. Um, I think I forwarded you that, that the one before we started our episode today that, um, that 2011, uh, review that, kind of concluded that chronic use might lead to higher erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, but the newer study from um, the other one was not from Stanford. This one's from Stanford. They, they were talking about um, 50,000 Americans who, who took part in the CDC's national survey for a family. Yeah, growth. I see that. Yeah. And the, and the average age they had was roughly 29. Um, and they, they, and I think this is where it kind of I got that when I spoke earlier about that they smoke off either monthly, weekly, or daily, and they had sex in the last twelve months, and they they found that they were more likely to report that they had more sex. So I just wonder if it goes back to what we were talking about, like that that openness to talk about it as opposed to not being open to talk. Yeah, about I it. think that, you know, that that is something that that probably plays into it and that comes I think that comes full circle to the issue with a lot of scientific research and a lot of it is just not federal, federally backed, you know, it's it, we haven't had time to do proper peer-reviewed studies. Almost any study that I can pull up on weed at all anywhere, I can easily pick apart and tear to shreds like nope, the data set's not valid. The sample size was too small. It wasn't peer reviewed. What the heck is that university? That's not an accredited anything I've ever heard of. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think that what we need to see is in order to really move the ball forward with that stuff is a federal repeal so that we can have federal funding to real researchers to really do it. And then we need a good five years of data where we can say, all right, here's 10 studies that were done correctly on this one subject. Let's put them all up against each other and make sure that we're looking, you know, eight out of 10 of these are saying the same thing, you know? Yes. That proper peer review that's using, maybe using the same strain or using, using a, 
a way to measure that is a that is uh, has been checked and rechecked, and then you can do a peer review of all right. of those studies to be able to really get a sense of what we're right, looking right. at. Because it's it's really you know one study will say one thing, and the next one will say something completely opposite. You know, um, like the the lower sperm count is a really good example. The lower sperm count studies, you can pull one up that says absolutely lower sperm count and then pull up another one and says, no, that that's not true. It's quite the opposite, you know? And it's like, well, hold on. That's not something I don't ever see that in physics. You know, I don't, I don't ever see these totally conflicting things about the speed of light. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> so if, if, if you wanted to give a message to my, to my listeners, that was like, this is okay. One Oh one, this is, you know, the beginning of their journey and they want to explore marijuana and their sexual life. Like what, what would you tell them should be a first step? Don't do anything you're not comfortable with first. You know, I, I think, yes. um, I'm a long time responsible, um, recreational drug user of many different kinds. And the number one step is that you have to be comfortable in whatever situation you're in. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're going to have a bad experience. I think that's true of everything. I mean, even going on vacation with your Absolutely. family can be terrible if you're not in the right space. So. It's totally true. And I think this d ties directly to like sexual yes. consent. This is, you have to know, you have to be okay with certain things and be ready to put down lines and say, okay, this is, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. Or this is what I'm comfortable with. This is yep. what I'm not comfortable with. And I think that applies squarely here too. That consent mm -hmm. for both marijuana and for sexual. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it's important to have clarity around um, whatever your intentions or what you're going to do. You know, um, I think one of the keys to having an awesome sex life is just open communication. Like you down to try this, and they're like, "Fuck yeah," or "Fuck no." But if you never ask, that's what leads to problems. That miscommunication. You know. So yeah, with. Yeah, being able to yeah, talk to your partner. Absolutely. Ultimately. Right? Um, I, I think that that's absolutely key. Uh, so, But that also goes for cannabis and your bud tender or your friend. I, I would say everybody needs to have that one friend, whether it's your bud tender that you see at the shop and that's a, like a prearranged relationship, yay on you. You know, instead of having to go find the weirdo that delivers an ounce to you every week. Uh, like we used to have to do. Now you can just go into the shop and there's your guy, there's your girl. Just go talk to them every time you come in and develop a cool relationship. you know. But what you want is somebody to kind of hold your hand through it, right? Um, just like wine. Like I, I don't have a large palate for wine at all. I'm your dude that's like Kendall Jackson and we're good. you know. So, <laughs> But um, serving as an executive in the cannabis world, I sit next to people that really know their shit when it comes to wine. And, um, and for me, I just pick one of those people and say, hey, I don't know anything about wine. I'm a weed guy. You know, so what, what can you show me? Because it's the same. It's the, it's the palate, you know, the different notes and the different flavors and the, this brand and the, this vintage and the, this blah, blah, blah. It's exactly the same stuff. It's just different vernacular. And so all you have to do is find somebody that knows the lexicon, find somebody that knows the language and ask them to be your translator. Say, hey, dude, this is what I'm looking for today. I'm looking for, I just got home from work. Uh, I work at a manual labor job. It's time to kick my feet up, take my boots off, smoke some weed and just watch a movie with my wife. Something happens, something happens. 
you know, great, I got you, buddy. You're looking for an indica with purple, you know, try a UW perp, try these purple strains that might go into that direction for you. You know, so so just kind of find your your Jedi, if you will. I love that. I love find find that person that you can you feel comfortable enough to ask legitimate questions that you know is not going to steer right. you. And that's kind of that, it, or at least will steer you in a direction. Totally, that'll and be that's helpful. life advent, advice too. I mean, get a mentor. You know what I mean? Like for whatever it is, just you should have somebody that you can have those straight up talks with. And it it honestly does start with something as personal as cannabis use, like. I've seen a lot of people develop really cool relationships with their bud tenders just because that's the person they're being the most honest with most of the time. You know, oh, my day sucks. Fuck my boss. These people I work with, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's it's absolutely true. The The bartender is like me, right? Mm-hmm. The therapist of the, yeah, the alcohol exactly. world. And the bud, the bud tender is the therapist of yeah, the marijuana world. More. So we kind of know where to begin. So anecdotally, you know, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think the influence of marijuana is on, on sex? I think overall it's positive. I mean, I think anything that, that uh, instigates conversation around it is good. I mean, we're, we're living in a time where there's a lot of scary stories out there about, um, you know, in the media, just, just inappropriate behavior. Um, I can, I'm thinking of the coach, the gymnastics coach, what a fucking shithead. And it's, and it's like that kind of stuff is out there. And so we need to have public discourse around sex. And I'm glad that cannabis is a really, um, such a soft way to start that conversation. It's a soft format into a really hard topic. Absolutely. And I, I do. I think the the public discourse, I think you've nailed this, that that is probably the most important part of this conversation period is being able to have a larger conversation around it, being able to track it through research, being able to be honest with somebody that you know, being able to try something that maybe you want, you've always wanted to try, but doing it in a safe way and how it affects sex. Man, I, I, I feel that way yeah. globally about sex. I want people to be able to talk about it and be able to talk about it in a very normal way and in a way that doesn't feel scary. And I, I think, I think pot, it, it's interesting to me that both marijuana and sex, both of those worlds kind of have walked oh parallel Oh my God, yeah, walks. take your, sh- what is it, what, what did they used to say at Woodstock? I mean, they were all sitting there shirtless having sex and listening to music and smoking weed back then. You know, it's it's been hand in hand the whole time. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So I want to thank you for this conversation, Chris. I really do. Um, so how can yeah, my people pleasure. find you in the world? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Chris Kelly Dabs underscore. They shut my first one down. Um, or you can Google Chris Kelly Cannabis, and I'm sure I'll pop up. I've done some AMAs on Reddit, and I've got all the social media stuff. Um, I'm about to start a really new uh, a new big project in California. So if you tune into my social media, you'll get to see us build it from the ground up, which is going to be pretty cool. That'll be very awesome. And we can definitely add all that stuff to the show notes so that everybody can find you and ask you questions and may even use you as a... Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, reach out if you have questions. I'm happy to answer them. (laughs) Cool. Right on. Thank you, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks. 
I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Chris Kelly and uh, check out the show notes to contact him. He has an Instagram, Chris Kelly dabs underscore, and he referenced Foria, which I will also make sure that that website is in the show notes as well. So any questions, feel free to shoot me an email, erica at ericamiley.com. Check out the website if you would like to become a future client to individually or in one of my groups if you're in Washington State, ericamiley.com. And please jump on wherever you listen to this podcast and rate and subscribe. I would really appreciate it. It'll get us out there so we can reach more people. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a wonderful week. 